Hey, it's Emma. I am super stoked to be using a real mic today. I even have on headphones. Hello. We're still recording remotely because of COVID and we had to like figure out all this new technical stuff now that we're like doing stuff more serious, I guess. <laughs> how do we, how do we? How do we think? <laughs> how do people do? <laughs> Hi, my name is Jolie and I have been with my child nonstop for like 48 hours. Which is not that fun. I don't really get things done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like, I know how that goes. Even if I have like any amount of time because I've been interrupted so much, my brain just won't go back to it, you know? Yeah. It's hard being with a kid endlessly. Yeah. But they're wonderful. They are wonderful. She's got cute feet. So <laughs> she's got that going. Always for have, her. always will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about today? Who are we talking to today? today? Who are you? <laughs> I don't know which Emma I am right now. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I'm talking about neuro-linguistic programming, mm. also known as NLP, which is... Brainwashing. Talking to someone until they believe what you believe. Sort of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was making that up and now I feel very smart. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it, what the definition in the Oxford Dictionary is. Okay. Okay. So Oxford Dictionary defines neuro-linguistic programming as a model of interpersonal communication, chiefly concerned with the relationship between successful patterns of behavior and the subjective experiences, especially patterns of thought underlying them. You know how there's like more than one definition sometimes? Right. A system of alternative therapy based on this, which seeks to educate people in self-awareness and effective communication and to change their patterns of mental and emotional behavior. So, so I is mean, it like how you think about the things that you've been through? Is that like that does? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of it. You'll learn more as I, as I go on. So let's talk no, about the I history. I want to learn everything right now. <laughs> right Answer now. question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, there's, there's a lot of different modalities. I don't know if that's the right word, but like there's different things that this, you know, I'm going to put it in quotes, therapy works for because it's not like really therapy it was created by a you know somebody who studied computer science and a, ling a linguist so Ooh, that's interesting it is the whole thing's interesting let's get into the history yeah so nlp began in the early 1970s when this guy john grinder who is an associate professor professor of linguistics at uc santa cruz teamed up with this man named richard bandler who is a computer tech student they were both curious about how and why some people were successful and what they did and others aren't. And specifically, they were questioning why certain therapists were more successful than others. So to figure it out, Richard Bandler took and recorded appointments with several well-known therapists in the industry. That's what? His own appointments or other people's appointments? Yeah, his, his <laughs> own appointments. And it's interesting because a lot of this history is like written different on different places I find it. Like some people say that he took these appointments with them and recorded them. Other people say that they found transcripts and read through them. They've never like publicly talked about the history and they ended up having a big falling out. So it's like a little bit wishy-washy, I guess, for lack of a better word, like all the information right. about the, the history, especially like which you'll learn as I go on. Richard Bandler like likes to rewrite history. He's just doing his own thing. Well, and in some ways, that's what NLP is. Yeah, you know, it's kind of telling like your it. own story. <laughs> so one site 
basically just said what I just said, like, well, I mean, like nobody ever really said it. So this is sort of what we think happened. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We're just spitballing here, but this sounds right. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, they were looking at like different patterns in speech and like how those patterns in speech affected their patients and their healing, I guess. So the therapists that they looked at were Virginia Satir, who is a very well-known and respected family therapist. When I brought up her name to my mom, who's a psychiatrist, she's like, oh, yes, the family therapist. So, okay. so Fritz Perel is, is a psychological hypnotist and Milton Erickson did family therapy, but worked with the unconscious mind. But based on this, some of the research says that they actually didn't interact with Milton Erickson or Fritz Perel, only Virginia Satir. Like she was the only person that they actually made Bandler got all of these recordings or transcripts or whatever the fuck he got. And then Grinder, John Grinder, then listened to these sessions and studied the patterns in their language. That's like a perfect porn name, by the way. Yeah, it is. <laughs> John Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So once they found those patterns, they created some of their techniques. And in fact, like this whole thing that they were doing to get all this information is one of their techniques called modeling. NLP functions on two, two different things. So number one, we don't know what reality is. Like we only see reality through our own perspective. So our limitations are not based on the reality, but rather our neuro-linguistic maps of reality. So an NLP, a map is essentially like everybody on earth's like different perception of the world based on just the way you see shit, like because of your past and whatever. So number two, the body, the society and the universe are inseparable. Um, the processes that take place within them and among them are systemic. They interact and influence each other. They're fundamentally based on principles that seek optimal states of balance. So basically they're saying like, it's not all chaos. Yeah. Everything in the world like influences our perception of, of life, you know? So if you're able to be aware of that and then change your perspective, you can like become a better person or get over like being abused or right whatever like rework your trauma in your brain essentially yeah i'm with you i'm with you on this yeah so okay far. cool okay great it's not too far you. out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean you know it's interesting at least for me thinking about doing this as a um an episode for this season because we're like mostly doing like woo woo shit or whatever but I've talked about it a few times, that program I'd been doing, the 2B magnetic program about like doing like these deep imaginings and like rewiring your brain and like all these different forms of like modern manifestation techniques are this. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's that like is what less, it is. It's a, a less uh, scientific. Well, I say scientific. But, the, quotes, but honestly, this is like, it's like bullshit science. Like none of it is real. <laughs> like, it's not. So it's like it's a load of shit. as scientific as anything else. Yeah, but there was like a small period of time where like even Scientific Digest like regarded it as science. What's the same thing as like Jungian theory, right? Like for a while that was like all the shit. And now people are like, well, it's cool, but no. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> and I mean that when I, I think when Scientific Digest wrote that, it was like in the early 80s or something. Okay. Um, yeah, so this all was like developed in, in California during a time of like the new age kind of revolution. You know, so everyone's mm-hmm. like self-help, like, yes, I love this, like doing it. Let's talk about benefits. It can help you resolve fears and phobia like super fast because there's like certain methods that they use that just like are supposed to take them away instantly. Like, you know, you'd see a traditional therapist and you'd take like months or weeks or or like years, years, like get over like <laughs> huge fears or whatever. But with NLP, it's like one one action can like remove it can help you find peace within yourself and others. It's credited to resolve various conflicts. You can improve your lifestyle in general, you know, like changing behaviors and habits like smoking or right. drinking too much or 
Totally. I can't see where like you would immediately get rid of a phobia. <laughs> well, so Richard Bandler has these like really unconventional ways of getting people to get over fears that he shared a lot during like different lectures or seminars that he did that mostly like were like over the top and like borderline threatening. I mean, in some cases, yeah. tr truly threatening. It's really helpful like for workplace stuff, like getting people to work together as a team, building teams, maintaining and running teams. It's helpful mm -hmm. for creating long-term relationships with your family, friends, other people in society, whatever. It helps you achieve goals in life. It helps you work more smartly and effectively. It can help you identify your own um, natural learning style. Yeah. So there's no scientific evidence supporting any of these claims. It's been, <laughs> it's and been discredited. all of that, like none of that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's all been discredited as pseudoscience. But yeah, like I said about Science Digest, they described NLP as, and I quote, um, the most important synthesis of knowledge about human communication to emerge since the explosion of humanistic psychology in the 60s. So there's that. <laughs> Sure, Reader's Digest. Yeah, I, whatever. So just to like summarize it, it's like a way of repatterning your brain to turn you into a super being, confident, no fears, in shape, well-liked, no gross habits, you know? And on top of that sort of stuff, there's also this whole other aspect of it where like you can understand other people better. Um, like you can know what others are thinking based on their eye movements or, you know, shit like that. Ugh. Yeah. No, thank you. I barely understand what I'm thinking. I don't need to be thinking about what other people are thinking. That's I know, ridiculous. right? But yeah, so Richard Bandler himself has basically like worded this as like the human brain is like a computer and we can be re reprogrammed like the same way that computers can. That's no. Yeah. The well, human brain is not a computer. I'm so It's sick not. Of and I mean, he says stuff shit. like that because I mean. Because he was a computer programmer. Yeah, he's a computer <laughs> program, but I also think he's a sociopath, which. <laughs> I do. So, so he wants to be able to program people. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think he just doesn't really understand like humanity right. or something. Another thing we'll get more into later. Let's talk about how NLP works. So basically, there's six natural hierarchies of learning, communication and change. One, purpose and spirituality, like your belief in a higher power. This is the highest level of change. Two is your identity, who you perceive yourself to be, your responsibilities, your beliefs and values is three what matters to you. Number four, capabilities and skills, the things that you can do. Number five is behaviors. Number six is your environment, like the, your context and settings, those things around you, which is the lowest level of change, which, you know, if you're like in AA or rehab or something, the first thing they tell you to do, you know, in order to maintain sobriety is change your, your environment. Yeah. Your people, places and things like your nouns, like new yeah. ones, like <laughs> get them now make that right. change. And then like your behaviors will change. And then, you know, if you think about it that way, then all those things are going to change. Like your, your behavior changes. You're not like using anymore. Then maybe there's new things you can do because you're like, you're away from your old triggers. Exactly. You're more clear headed. New things will matter to you. Then who you perceive yourself to be will be, will be someone new. And then right. your life's purpose will change. So I'm into it. I vibe with that. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So there's different techniques that they use. One of them is called modeling, which is what I said about what they did with the therapists, which, you know, when you think about it, they really did. Neither of these people were therapists at all. They studied their behavior, the way that they spoke um, to their patients, the types of things they talked about and look for. And then, I mean, basically masqueraded as as therapists. You know, they were giving lectures to therapists. That's horrifying. Like, I know, right? That's really irresponsible. Yeah, but I mean, people... People ate it up. People ate it up. I mean, my dad was a social worker in, I don't know, the 90s and early 2000s. 
I didn't know um, he was a social worker. Yeah, he was a social worker and he had a private practice that he ran out of our house and he saw patients there and he was really into NLP. That's why I know about it, actually. Yeah, I've never heard about it at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he was really into it. He had like this light bar thing that would do like hypnosis to yeah. kind of get you. Yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Don't they also use that for, um, what's the other one where you have to like remember, oh, what is it called? Oh, EMDR. Yeah. I always think EDM yeah. and I'm like, no, not <laughs> <Yeah>. EDM. <laughs> right. It's like EDM and ASMR combined. Right. <laughs> But yeah, I was talking to my mom about this and what I was researching for this episode. And she's like, oh my gosh, that's kind of like that trauma thing, that EMDR. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool. So I tried to like type like NLP, like verse EMDR or whatever. And I right. didn't really come up with it. Did anything. you expect to see some sort of like claymation fight to the finish between the two? <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I was looking for. And I didn't find it. But yeah, I mean, he used this and, you know, and then later in life, he became a salesperson. Like, I think he wanted just to like not have as in, like important of a job, like not to say being a salesperson isn't important, but you know, like where people's yeah, lives and stuff. Yeah, a different level of importance there. <laughs> yeah. But then he started working at Nordstrom as a salesperson and like, I'm sure he was still using these same kind of techniques. Oh yeah. Because a lot of, a lot of these techniques like really can teach you how to manipulate others. Oh. Um, to do what you want. And I mean, a lot of that psychology in general, you're just hopefully using it for a good purpose. You're not just like making people do shit for no yeah. reason. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> right. I mean, that's like ethics, I guess. I mean, do, do therapists take that same, like, what is it called that doctors do? The, yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, there's what like is a, it called? well, I don't think it's like the Hippocratic Oath. Yeah. The Hippocratic Oath. But I do the think it's, do they have like a version of it where it's like obviously um competence and all mm -hmm. of that shit um, do no harm yeah the the basic do no harm but i don't think they necessarily take the same unless they are uh, a psychiatrist i would assume would still have yeah. to take yeah that have out. your md or phd which same guy richard bandler pretended that he had often <gasps> had what a phd did, did he say that he had a phd in yeah. psychiatry I'm not or sure psychology? what, but he would refer to himself as Dr. Bandler. <laughs> and when confronted with this at one point, he's like, oh, no, no, that's just like the publicist making this up or like the people Bull writing the papers. Like they don't know. They just, they just think that's, they just think that's. Um, you hire your publicist. I know. Dumb. You Whatever. have to approve the materials. Right. So you can't just, just yes. be like, oh, my publicist just like went rogue. Whatever, dude. This guy's wild. I can't wait to tell you more about him. It's just like. He sounds like a real peach so far. Oh, it's wild. It gets so good. But let's talk about the boring shit. Let's just do the boring shit right now. Okay, okay get it out of the way. Let's go. So modeling. That's what they did with those therapists. And let's- I've known a let's, lot of models. <laughs> I'm a, I was a part-time model at one time. Yeah, I was an alternative model. <laughs> Which means I was not a model. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded real shitty. Sorry. I know. It's okay. Okay. Paul McKenna, TV hypnotist protege of Richard Bandler. He describes modeling as if someone's got a skill that you want to master, you model that skill so you can learn what learn to do what they do in a fraction of the time it took them. Say someone's a master salesperson. They'll be doing certain things with their body, certain things with their language. So you model that, study it, break it down, work out the thing behind it. Sure. So that's modeling. But that doesn't mean that you're going to get there in a fraction of the time. They still have experience on their side. Yeah, well, this, that's what this program That's what this douchebag says. Yeah. I said that really weird. Douchebag. You don't know anything about Paul McKenna, okay? He okay. might not be a douchebag. 
Okay. <laughs> Tell me that he's not then. I don't have any other information about him. So damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So next is, is called swish. This is interesting. So you choose what you want to replace and you create it in your imagination, like image of it. And then you put it aside for a moment. And then you decide what you would prefer instead. You create an empowering image to represent it and think about music or whatever. And then you put that aside for the moment, right? And while you're doing this, like the practitioner of NLP is watching you. So it's like, you think about a memory, like, I don't know, I'm going to make something up, like falling off a swing. And now you're like scared of swings or something. And that, that matters as an adult being scared of swings. Of course lot. it does. Every day. <laughs> I'm confronted with the swing. Every day. It's really rough. So you think about that, you know, you're like, oh my God. The practitioner is looking at you and they're kind of like regarding your eye movements. Think of that first image again. And then you make it even bigger in your head and you kind of like put it in front of you, like in your brain. Like over and the then, top or like you you just really focus on it? I think you like really focus on it. Okay. And then you start thinking about that replacement image again and you make it small and gray and put it like really far away in your brain. So then you throw the image away, like with a real motion, like whoosh, the swoosh. And you do that and like you envision it getting small and all the color coming out of it. And like, you're like, it's gone. Like, I don't see it anymore. And then you let that new image kind of like flood your brain. And then you do this three to five times and you're doing it when you're hypnotized. Okay. You're not just like, you're like in like a, like a theta state or something. Yeah. Okay. You know? So. Yeah. I was about to say, I don't feel like this would work for me because I just keep going back to it being like, well, I'm not throwing it away though. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know, I, I know what you mean. I mean, when I was doing those deep imaginings, that's this is essentially what it is. It's like you think about your childhood or whatever, or like your parents, your family. And then you think about like, instead of remembering it that way, like you think about it the way that you want to. Like you think right. about when you're in your mom's womb and like, what if your mom like was having a rough pregnancy and it's hard and you you know that she struggled and with sadness or whatever, you know, then you reimagine it as like, Oh, I'm in my mom's womb. And it's like so beautiful and warmed and I'm so loved and wanted and whatever. And you're in this theta state and evidently it's supposed to like rewire your brain. So you're creating a whole different reality for yourself. You're not experiencing what actually happened and addressing it and moving forward. You're like just replacing it with something that didn't happen and is not true to your life. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. That sounds weird and dangerous. Yeah. Even it if does. it's for the good. Yeah. And again, it's like this this man, I just can't wait to tell you more. Like we just have to get through all this shit okay, first. Sorry. But I'll, I'll he he, he did a no, dude. <laughs> please do, because we're like building up the suspense, you know? Like, oh shit, <laughs> something really good's coming. I can't wait. The shit's coming. The shoe's gonna drop. We're ready. <laughs> here's a quote from mckenna part of the neural coding where we get our feelings from and ultimately our behavior comes from the position of these pictures he says pictures that are close and big and bright and bold have a greater emotional intensity than those that are dull and dim and further away okay another technique that they use is called anchoring so in nlp they teach that we constantly make anchors between what we see hear and feel and our emotional states so if you're like super upset or angry or happy, anything like a really high emotional state and you're exposed to a unique stimulus, like a sight, sound or touch, then a connection is made between that emotion and that stimulus. So when that stimulus occurs again, that same emotional state can be triggered. Right. Which is like a total thing. It is a thing. It's something that like magicians use too. Yeah, absolutely. Also really interesting. And I have more to say about that too. I can't wait. Yeah. So basically like these, these anchors then, and they'll often use touch to do it, like kind of like tap your leg without you noticing or encourage you to rub your leg or, or something, they can be deliberately created and triggered to help people access resourceful or other target states. 
And Virginia Satir, that therapist, the family therapist, like evidently like she, she kind of helped them develop that like through her patterning. So that is based on like actual, actual work done by professionals. It's not just like shit that they came up with. Yeah. It's particularly helpful for for salespeople. So Uh that's like one of the techniques that's good for sales. So future pacing is another thing. And you're basically like, you like ask someone to imagine to do something in the future and then like monitor their reactions. So they use it to check that a change process has been successful. So it's like you observe the body language when the person imagines being in a bad situation before, and then you do the same thing afterward to just see like if, like what has changed. If the body language is the same, then the intervention has not been successful. Yeah. And it can be used to embed change into the context of the future. It gives the person the experience of dealing positively with a situation before they get into that situation in reality. So example from my life, because my dad was NLP guy, we went on vacation, I think to Puerto Rico or somewhere, but it was like a Hilton and there was a super awesome water slide. And I was like maybe eight years old and I was so scared. And I wanted to go down the water slide like super bad. And I just like, I couldn't, I was like Mm -hmm. fucked up about it. And my dad had me like draw pictures of me going down the slide and just like keep thinking about going down the slide, like over and over again, like every single day and like imagining it being like super fun. And like, you know, it's like you think about it enough and you like put yourself in that position enough that eventually I went down the slide. But sadly it was like the day before we left and I didn't get to do it as much as I would have liked to, but. But you got to do it. Totally. And I think that this is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's super cool. So yeah, the theory is that having visualized positively when the subject encounters the situation again in reality, the visualized experience will serve as a model for how to behave, even though it was just like pretend. The mind cannot tell the difference between like visualizing and reality. So it just like kind of sees it as reality. Yeah, we've talked about this before about like how um, it's useful for sports and like uh, yeah. learning learning a skill. It's us- yeah. it's useful to visualize it because your brain reacts in the same way and you're still totally. building those neurons, those like pathways. Yeah. Well, and I think this is also like when people make like inspiration boards or what are those called? Like to mood like mood boards. Yeah, mood boards like create their future, you know, like right. business person in a business suit and like I don't know oh yeah like a vision board kind of <laughs> yeah. thing yeah, yeah I think it's kind like of for photography like oh. yeah <laughs> I still knew what you were talking about it's essentially the same thing <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so reframing is changing the way you perceive an event and then you like change the meaning when the meaning changes your responses and behaviors change as well if you use language it allows you to see the world in a different way reframing is the basis of jokes myths legends fairy tales and really creative ways of thinking yeah. Um, did, did you read Pollyanna when you were a kid? Yeah. When I was a kid. Okay. So whenever she was feeling like super sad, she played the, the glad game mm-hmm. and that reminded her of all the things that she could do and like not to worry about the things that she couldn't. Do you ever watch so, Dancer in the Dark? No. Should I? Well, it's one of the saddest movies you'll ever watch in your life because Lars von Trier is a fucking sadist oh. for his audience. But Essentially, the character reframes her situation into like really glamorous musical numbers, and it's beautiful. And it's oh, wow. Bjork. Bjork is incredible. So it's yeah, it, she even, is. Even though Benny doesn't like musicals, I think he would also enjoy it. You know, he doesn't. I was I couldn't watch Steven Universe. I had to it's turn it so off. I could good. like see could like see him just like oh my yeah. god, you didn't tell me this is a musical. Oh, it's it's a cartoon. <laughs> what else is it gonna be? I know. <laughs> I know. And like in Frozen or whatever, I'll be like, look at them like singing these songs. I'm like, I know. It's like what this movie is. (laughs) 
And I love it. Gross. (laughs) I like musicals. I mean, I I grew up going, I like went and saw like Broadway shows and stuff as a kid. And yeah, you know. Not like actual Broadway shows. Like you probably actually went to Broadway. I I did really go to Broadway. Community theater versions. Well, but you were in Arkansas. So what are you going to do? You know, I was in New Jersey. Yeah, it was easier. Go to Broadway. That was bad. How did, can you say it like how they say that? Broadway. <laughs> we you both have to say it with up. your mouth like way too open, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, that still didn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us are going to be on Broadway. So we're not. Right never. Damn it. So, okay. So with reframing, there's something called the six step reframe. And I'm just going to read this because I don't really understand what it is. So distinguishing between an underlying intention and the consequent behaviors for the purpose of achieving the intention by different and more successful behaviors. It is based on the notion that there is a positive intention behind all behaviors, but that the behaviors themselves may be unwanted or counterproductive in other ways. Okay. NLP uses this stage process to identify the intention and create alternative choices to satisfy that intention. Maybe you're smoking cigarettes to make friends and like not feel bored during your 15 minute break or yeah. So like an alternative choice could be like to eat carrots outside. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody can hate on a person just casually eating baby carrots while people are smoking. (laughs) Um, Don't don't mind me. (laughs) I just gotta get my carrots in, you know, try to stop that. (laughs) I don't know. That's what that means, right? And I don't know what the six steps are though. It says six step reframe, but that doesn't seem like six steps. That's one step. Yeah. Okay. So then there's something called VKD, visual kinesthetic dissociation. And it's designed to eliminate bad feelings associated with past events, um, like by rerunning an associated memory in a dissociated state, which is like, I guess, I don't know, like a... You're it's like kind of hypno- like EDM. <laughs> yeah, that's what it does sound like that, like the EMDR. Like you, you do it enough times where you don't really have a feeling associated with it. You're just kind of like you've examined every little minute detail of it and then you're done. Yeah, and it says like a film, sometimes in reverse. I've heard that EMDR can like for some people it really works. And then for other people, it's like reliving the trauma is just like awful. I mean, I feel like if it's the type of trauma where you very well may be in a state where you can't go on anymore after you recall it, then I don't think it's a safe option. But I feel like, yeah, for everyone that I've known that has tried it, it's worked. Really? Yeah. And these are people with like incredible trauma. So Wow. You probably just need to find someone that's like legit. And you need to be in the right like period of time in your life yeah where you've at least associated enough from your experiences that you can address them because Mm -hmm. if you can't even look at them then you're not going to be able to go through that oh for sure I mean I don't do like EMDR therapy but even just in regular talk therapy like there's stuff that comes up that I'm like I can't talk about that right now like I'm not interested no thank you yeah like I'm not going there can we can we just reframe all of that can I create another experience for myself (laughs) and we can talk about that God, maybe I, I should do that. I mean, that I was a world famous author <laughs> and uh, yeah. I had horses. Yep. As a horse That's person. my life. No trauma. <laughs> I had a really, really not traumatic life. Right I think now, everybody. I'm fabulously wealthy. I yeah, have horses Loaded. and pigs and cows <laughs> that other people take care of. Yeah. I just can't take care <laughs> of them right now because I'm busy. <laughs> busy being rich. <laughs> seems like the solution to everything, right? Just to like pretend that everything's okay. Everything's fine. I mean, (laughs) that's like that that meme. That's like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's like the building burning down or whatever, (laughs) that little worm or whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> I feel that. Yeah. Okay. Good. I think I have, I think I only have two more techniques and there's what? like a ton, like I don't, there's a ton. That was just like, you scratching the surface. Yeah. This is me oh just scratching God. the surface. So there's metaphor using simple figures of speech to allegories and stories. And it, it's used in conjunction with the skills of the Milton model, which if I'm correct, that's like the hypnosis kind of stuff. And it helps to create a story which operates on many levels with the intention of communicating with the unconscious and like challenge your basic assumptions. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I, Sounds I don't know. neat. Yeah. That's like Emma copied and pasted. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm done with this part. I'm bored. Um, so then there's also covert hypnosis. And that's a method of using language patterns to hypnotize or persuade other people. That sounds it's, shady as hell. Oh, yeah. It's been called sleight of mouth, you know, building off sleight of hand. Oh, I like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, as I said before, like this isn't really real psychology. Um, it's more like the study of communication and language, you know, which makes sense because, you know, he was a John. Yeah, he was a linguist and Bandler is like a sociopath. So he's like, <laughs> how can I like. <laughs> how can I make this work for me? <laughs> yeah. So. By the 70s, it ended up really being used as like a, a like a business tool. That's how it was marketed marketed to people, and it was like to teach salespeople how to establish rapport, like by mirroring a customer's body language or by pacing their breathing and speech. Like kind of, it's interesting. Like I've noticed with you, like when we're you know face to face recording, sometimes we do we we are in the same pose. Yeah, you absolutely. know, and I think that's like a way to connect with somebody. Yeah. Um, well, it's the first thing that they tell you when you're um, getting into sales is to, and it's it's a trick that I use all the time, which is to, if someone's closed off, especially mirror them right off the yeah. bat and then very slowly, like unfurl yourself so that you're open and like communicating. Yeah. So if someone uh, approaches me like really negatively, I'll be kind of short with them back and be like, okay, let's get this going. Let's go. Yeah. And then I'll like slow my pace a little bit and get them wow. to kind of like start talking. Look at you, so master it manipulator. It doesn't always work. And I don't like using it. It actually makes me feel like really ingenuine. But if I can get yeah. someone to open up and feel comfortable, then I think of that as like the totally the like you use that. You use that at work. Yeah. Especially for people who are like, no, I don't want to talk about it. I just I just want to have the session. I'm like, well, you have to You're like, no, that's not <laughs> how this works. Yeah, that is not <laughs> how this works. You actually have to be open. So to get them to be open in a way that feels natural for them. Yeah. It's important. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. But it can definitely be used for evil. <laughs> yeah, it can. It can. Or for like, like entertainment. Like, yeah. Yeah. So they're saying like, if a customer says, do you see what I mean? Somebody that was an NLP trained salesperson would respond. I get the picture rather yeah, than that like rings a, a bell. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really cool. Or like, so I guess if someone says that sounds good to me. Be like, yeah, it rings a bell, huh? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's cool. Like using the same kind of descriptive language as they do. Yeah, I like that. I mean, that could even be a cool way to make friends. Yeah. You're like feeling lonely. Help. <laughs> I see what you mean. Are you visual? <laughs> <laughs> Are you doing my relating to you? I'm having a hard time. Help. <laughs> <laughs> so this woman, her name's Linda Ferguson. Uh, she wrote a book called Living Your Purpose, and she is an NLP trainer in Canada. Some techniques that she suggests are if you want to change someone's mind, go for a walk with them. When you're walking beside somebody, you connect with them differently. And it's because like when you're walking, you need to like synchronize with the other person. Like you don't want to get too far ahead of them. You don't want right. to be too far behind. It's like when you're when you're walking with someone and then like your feet sync up, you're like, yay, look at us doing this thing. 
It's but also it's less like, confrontational because you're like next to them instead of in front of them. Totally. You don't even have to like make eye contact. Like you just kind of become in rhythm and you're like unified. Yeah. But like, I'm sure that you've experienced this because I know for sure I have. Once you like get into a heated conversation, you have to stop. If you're like disagreeing, you have to stop walking and turn to each other. Isn't that crazy? Like I never yeah. really thought about that until I read this. I'm like, wait, that's real. Well, it's like having to, uh, like when you're driving and you're looking for a specific address, having to turn down the music <laughs> because for whatever reason, that's what's keeping you from reading the numbers on the buildings. I can't see. Turn it down. <laughs> it's too loud for my eyes. <laughs> it's interesting. So another technique she has is you can solve a difficult personal problem with chairs. I, that is how I live my life. Just Where are the chairs? Buy a new chair. <laughs> put it in the room. Wait for the person to stop being angry. <laughs> you do kind of have a lot of chairs in your house, in your living room. I love chairs. Yeah, you do. Those like velour ones to, or velvet ones. Yeah, you got to have places to sit. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So, okay. You sit in a chair and then you think really hard about a problem. And as you do that, like you think about your, your internal and external focus. So it's like, what do you notice about like the visuals and sounds and whatever? I mean, essentially like be mindful, you know, mm -hmm. be present in the room as you think about it. Like think about what's different about your posture. Like how's your body feel? Whatever. Write it down again, being mindful. Then go sit in a different chair and think <laughs> about a situation that's like the total opposite of this experience. How many chairs do I need by the end of this? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta order some things. Just two. You just need two okay. chairs. You, you can do it. You, you're prepared. <laughs> you have everything you need at home. So whatever the first thing that comes to mind, you know, whatever. Don't like, right. don't overthink it. And then just like go deep into that memory and like whatever. Make those observation again. Like be mindful and and then form a vivid reaction in your mind and try to understand and identify like all of it. Like how do you feel? Your posture. Like same shit. Take notes. Mm -hmm. Then go back to the first place you were sitting. But this time, think about the second experience and reread the notes that you made about the more favorable experience and then change the way that you're sitting. And then it says that you might come to an immediate solution to your problem. And if you haven't, just keep moving back and forth between the chairs and <laughs> until you figure it out. That sounds like someone's going to put you in a mental institution. Right? By the it's end like, of she won't stop moving from chair to chair. I don't know what to something's do Something's going on. It's so funny. It's like, as I was typing this up, I'm like, this makes sense. This is cool. And now as I'm reading it out loud, I'm like, mm, Just don't know what. Just the chairs. Pick <laughs> yeah. some chairs and keep going until you yeah. find a solution. I know. I don't think I'm into that one. That one. It could dumb. work. Yeah, If it's sure. something small, if it's like a smaller issue, I can see how that would work. Just like reframing it entirely like changing yeah. your entire situation around thinking about it could could trigger something similarly to that she says that like if you're arguing with somebody like literally switch places with them like if you're having trouble seeing eye like, to eye oh like physically switch places with them yeah like physically switch places with them do you watch snl ever yeah but not okay. really new ones so have you seen switcheroo no Oh my God. So, uh, you know, all those old eighties movies where like the people switch places and it's usually like the mom and the daughter yeah. or like, yeah, the like Freaky Friday. Yeah. Like, like Freaky yeah. Friday. So they focus entirely on the sexual ramifications of the switcheroo. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. That's all that I can think of when I think about switching places with someone. <laughs> like, Oh God. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. I'll like have to send that to you. It's really good. So yeah, she talks again about like the like mirroring stuff, you know, that we just talked about, whatever. We already right. know. We already know, bitch. We don't need to hear what you have to say. I um, am a doctor. I'm a I doctor now. <laughs> you can say that. It doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> I'm an archaeologist. I'm a doctor. <laughs> 
that's basically all I got from that woman. Let's see. Aside from like bettering oneself through NLP, people like talk about it being a way to use mind control on others. And I think it's kind of like what you said, like with therapists or whatever. It's like it's only mind control if you're studying how to do it for the wrong reasons. Right. You know, and also I had said like magician people use it, which is. I like how you call them magician people. <laughs> Are you like a magician person? <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean like also like illusionists and. Right. That same guy, McKenna, it's so funny. I'm like, you're like, what do you know about Paul McKenna? I'm like, nothing. I didn't write anything else about him. And now I keep having, I keep having quotes from him. So (laughs) what the fuck? Uh, Paul McKenna says, some people teach NLP in a way that makes it sound highly manipulative and coercive. You know, I will give you power over others. And the people who end up going to those are people with very small penises, frankly. People who think, oh my God. People who think, oh my God, I'm not enough. I'm so out of control. Maybe if I learned how to have power over others, I'll be a better person. So you see, criticizing NLP is like criticizing a hammer. You're, you don't yeah. get mad at a hammer. You get mad at the person who's using the hammer to hurt you. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, think it's I get it. hilarious that he immediately said these people have small dicks. I know. I love it. <laughs> these guys are crass. Like They're just like oh these crass God. dudes. They're like bros. Like, how can we control people? Well, straight up. So great, great segue, dude. So let's talk about pickup artists. So pickup artists are known to use NLP. That's where I've heard of this. Yeah. So remember you listened to Yano yeah, Yeah podcast. Yes, There was we an do. episode we where- We love you, Yano Yeah. We do. They're not going to listen to us right They're now. They're not, but, but let's pretend that they are. Yeah. We love you so much. <laughs> we we are friends. <laughs> um, but there was, they had an episode about that guy, Mystery. Yeah. Mystery's real name is Eric Von Markovic. And he was an illusionist who turned into a pickup artist and eventually had a TV show. And I didn't really see a lot of NLP stuff on him, but he was a protege of Neil Strauss, who's the author of The Game, Penetrating the Secret Society of Pickup Artists. God. I wrote big guy in the pickup artist community. But he's he's an NLP master. So it's like he's using these techniques to like get women into bed with him. And then there's also Ross Jeffries, who, um, yeah, yeah, he does like speed seduction. The, his book is called How to Get the Women You Desire into Bed. And he's an NLP master, like with a cert- certification, like a certificate or whatever they give you. Both of these That's guys interesting. are. Um, some other people that use NLP, Tony Robbins. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that is a person that I was going to like ask about because when yeah. you said something about like really aggressive and like weird techniques of like focusing Locking on, on coal or right? Holy shit. That man's insane. He is. There's other people too. I thought I had it written down, but I guess I don't. There's other people like kind of like that, like self-help gurus, I guess, for lack of a better word, or self-help public figures that, you know, a lot of their stuff is based on NLP. It doesn't surprise me considering how new agey it sounds. Yeah. Right. So it is, it is new agey. I mean, it's like new age ideals, like under the guise of like science. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's like all of new age, though. They're all like, yeah. no, science says it's like, well, you didn't read it completely. And also that is not what it says at all. <laughs> you had like the New York Post version of it. Right. Instead of like the, the New York Times. And there I know, was but, a difference. <laughs> well, but nobody like cross references or whatever. They're just like, woo, I, I believe I, what I read. Chocolate cures cancer. Go for it. It's like, no, Fine. that's not what it said. Right. That's or red wine. Red wine. I drink two bottles of red wine every night because it's good for my heart. Babe. Babe. (laughs) Okay. So I have two really interesting things to talk about 
now and I'm going to let you, it's a pick your own adventure. Yes. Do you want to, do you want to talk about Richard Bandler, the founder of NLP first, or do you want to talk about an illusionist and a really cool thing that he did? I want to talk about the founder. Okay. So Richard Bandler. Who does bitch? He is a psycho. <laughs> um, a I'm, yeah. So I'm not sure where I want to start. Let's see. Um, okay. This is going to kind of set the tone. So this is him speaking. He says, from being alone most of the time, I had to be self-motivated. My mother was always out working and my father was violent and dangerous. Well, my first father was gone by the time I was five and he was very violent. My mother later married a guy who was a drunk and a prize fighter in the Navy. He was very violent, broke a lot of my bones, but in the end, I won. Holy shit. The author says, how? Expecting him to say something like, look at me now, I'm getting driven around in a Bentley. But instead, Bandler replies, I electrocuted him. <gasps> The guy That's says, what really? Gets. <laughs> I didn't kill him, he says, but I could have. How did you electrocute him? I ask. This is fucking nuts. He goes, I waited until it was raining. I got a wire mesh doormat. I stripped a lamp cord, put it underneath the doormat, put the other end in the keyhole and put my hand on the switch. When the key went in, I clicked the switch. There was a loud scream. He went over the railing. Six months in hospital. How old were you? I ask. Ten, he says. And I guess he has an actual sociopath diagnosis, Holy you know, shit. about this. He goes, yeah, I'm a little sociopathic, but my illusions were so powerful. They became real and not just to me. He, he says that NLP came to him in a series of hallucinations while he was sitting in a little cabin. This was in was 1975. Was he on drugs or he was just hallucinating? No, he uses drugs. He, at that time when he was at UC Santa Cruz, he experimented a lot with LSD. So this was in 1975. And that's when he was, he was a computer program. He was 25. He was a computer program. He was a mm -hmm. simulation. He, yes, it's all a simulation. He himself we was we a are simulation. in one now. So, yeah, what a fucking nut, right? But honestly, like when I hear about stuff like that, or like when I hear about mothers who catch their husbands like molesting their daughters and then set them on fire, I'm like, well, what did you expect? Right. I know. That's what I you know. get. And his mom like wasn't there to protect him. But I, so think right. about it. It's like we now we know what his methods are and how he wants to cover up the past with more positive memories. You know, it's, yeah. he's a man that has a lot of demons. Yeah. You know, a lot. And maybe for him, it, it feels better to create another reality. Yeah. So and make sure that he can manipulate people to never be hurt again. Yeah, it's true. I mean, so, people do this in, in less fancy ways all the time. So. Yeah, what's a less fancy way of doing that? I guess just like garden variety manipulation with no like pseudoscience behind it. Yeah, <laughs> just your garden variety manipulation. Yeah, just the basics. The huge. We all know that trick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that I'm like a very manipulative person. I don't know, maybe, maybe when I was younger. Yeah. I think I had a tendency to be more manipulative when I was younger, and now I'm just like, I don't wanna. <laughs> Right? It's a lot of work. It's so much work. And also, like, I just don't, it makes me feel bad about me if I have to manipulate someone to get what I need. Absolutely. I'll do it if I have to, but I certainly yeah. didn't go for it, like, the, the first round. Good. I like that. I think I feel the same way. Like, fuck you. I mean, if you have to manipulate to survive, then do what you do. Well, yeah, of course. But generally speaking, like, if I just, you know, want someone to take a charge off of my credit card, I'm probably could just ask the first time. Yeah. Talk to someone like a human. That's my biggest manipulation is that I talk to people like they're humans and not like they're garbage. <laughs> You're so <laughs> manipulative. I can't. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's how 
I make friends. (laughs) Just like by being nice to people. I just get lonely and I need to be nice to people to make friends. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so where am I? So NLP was created in the 70s, like the early 70s, whatever. Okay, so here we are. It's 1978 and Richard Bandler got married. And then he was divorced two years later in 1980. His ex-wife, whose name I didn't write down for some reason. In court documents and police interviews, she told them that Bandler choked her. And while he did that, he was laughing and warned that he could kill her. Um, According to allegations in police reports and court documents, he attacked her male friends and threatened to have several killed. Quotes, all I need to do is dial seven digits, another of her friends quoted Bandler saying. And with my connections with the mafia, I could have you all wiped out without even batting an eye. Does he actually have connections with the mafia? I don't think so. Is that like a, like, I'm just going to say it because I want you to be scared. Yeah, I think that's just a thing that he said to scare people, which is just like a thing that he does. He just says shit. Oh, yeah. So here's more. Around that same time that he had the divorce, that's when he and John Grinder parted ways. Then he like left and he went and lived on Hawaii, I think. I think Hawaii. And then he returned to the U.S. and the NLP business was bankrupt that same year. He met somebody named James Marino, who is a, a Coke dealer. And he got like super into drugs and alcohol and got like super fat. How do you so, get fat doing Coke? Is that um, a thing? Do you just like wreck your thyroid or something? I've never seen like a fat Coke addict. No, I think like the drinking. I mean, when I oh, was okay. like, I'm always just like telling these stories that make me seem horrible. But you know what? I had a life and yeah. I'm not there anymore. But when I was like in my early 20s, I was like drinking a lot and doing a lot of coke and I like swelled up like I was like really swollen through my jowl maybe it's Um, like a a it kind of sounds like a thyroid thing like when you go on like prednisone and your face gets all round for no reason yeah maybe it was messing with it yeah maybe it was messing with my thyroid I don't know but I think it's like if you drink if you drink enough you're not going to be skinny no matter what you do right you know all the coke in the world isn't gonna like cancel out All right. So in 1984, at a conference, he brought a small pistol with him and he ended up aiming it at a volunteer who came on stage. He was trying to demonstrate one of his theories that people people can make changes with the right stimulus. So the person who was a volunteer was a psychiatrist and (laughs) the guy had said the only stimulus that would have the capability of having him like change would be a gun. That wasn't an invitation. Yeah. So it was strange because he had a gun in his pocket. People in the audience like that you know, we're like NLP fans who like had seen him speak before or whatever, just like laughing, like, oh, oh Richard, like, this is what you do, whatever. <laughs> they went along with it. So the psychiatrist says to him, like, that this gun is only going to make a difference if he knew that Richard would shoot him. And in response, he was taunted and he says, I've got news for you. You've got no idea how nuts I am. How many people have one in their pocket waiting for you? And you're going to tell me that I won't do it. I don't have to kill you. I just have to wound you. He added, I've done weirder things to clients. Name one thing that's weirder than shooting a client to like make a point. Who fucking knows? Oh my God. So, but well, you know, who does know this psychiatrist? Cause his response was, I know you have. <laughs> <laughs> and Bandler says back, you didn't know it was going to be real, did you? Now, somehow or, or another, you made it real. That's different than me making it real. So the psychiatrist is all like fucked up about it. And, you know, Jesus. he's like, you know, this change is possible. I'm scared, whatever. And Bandler goes, otherwise I would have shot you by now. This story huh. I, was actually shared to the police while they were obtaining evidence and, and you know, finding out about his character because he actually had been arrested for murder in 1986. 
So Jesus Christ. In 1986, Richard moved into a house built by James Marino, the Coke dealer, and they lived a couple hundred meters away from James's girlfriend, Corinne Christensen, who was like, she ran a call girl service and was herself a prostitute, but also like super cool and like into yeah. spirituality and like a fun girl. Just doing her own thing. Living her small life. Small business owner. Whatever. Yeah, small business owner. She was, you know, James Marino was 54 and I think he was 22 years older than her. So I guess what's that? She's 32. Yeah. James and Corinne, they broke up and she just like didn't really want to break up with him, whatever. Like they kept in contact. Who knows? He wasn't into it. But for some reason, they attended a Halloween party together. And while they were there, James was brutally attacked. And after that happened, Corinne cared for him for several days and, wow. you know, but, you know, because he was like super into drugs and just kind of like paranoid or, you know, maybe he had reason to believe. So he, he believed that Corinne made this happen that, you know, they broke up. She's like, come to this party with me. And she it's, like set him up. Yeah. To get like, to get you know, brutally beaten, beat like the to the point up. where she had to, yeah, she had to care for him for several days. Jesus Christ. So Bandler found out about this and he was like super pissed and he's like, I'm going to Corinne's house. I'm going to get information from her. Mm. And like, for some reason he recorded their conversation. Cause he's like, cause he's crazy. Yeah. Cause he's a nutcase. He's like, so he says, how much I evidence to- can I collect on myself? <laughs> right. So he says, I need to ask you a simple question. Why is my friend hurt? She like didn't answer the questions and he starts like shouting at her and evidently like the recordings kind of like blurry or whatever. Like Fuzzy, <laughs> blurry. It sounded blurry. <laughs> He gave her an ultimatum. I'll give you two more seconds and then I'll blow your brains out. Eight hours later, Corinne was shot in the head at her home. And 12 hours after that, Bandler was arrested for the murder. He left after Corinne was shot and he went to some other woman's house and he told the police that he just went there and was like drinking and like doing coke all night. So, you know, of course it's like people in his like immediate life when they heard about this accusation, they're just like, you're crazy. Like, there's no way he did this. Like this guy like worked for the CIA, which like I didn't talk about, but he did. He worked for the CIA. Like evidently he turned like just some regular little kid into like a sniper or some shit. Yeah. And like helped with like lie detecting. And, you know, this guy wrote 11 books and sold like half a million copies of these books. Like super well-known. Like he's training people that matter, I guess. Right. So yeah, but all the evidence pointed to to Richard Bandler. He had his, he had her blood on his shirt. There was this recording. James Marino told the police that it was him, but like the story that he told just like kept changing all the time. But police found like certain specific evidence that matched Marino's story, even though it like changed a little bit all the time. Oh my God. Yeah. This guy so, could not have committed like a more sloppy murder. I know. Right. But, you know, this trial lasted three months. And the thing that they had to, like, convict him is Marino's statement. You know, like they sure shirt or like the the statement that he was going to blow her brains out. Well, he said he said that he was there during the argument and that it was like Marino and him that it was her and Marino that were fighting. He was there for the argument. She got shot and then he went to, like, move her body. What? Something like that. You know, and he had, you know really credible people come and and stand up for him on the witness stand, you know, as character witnesses. And he ended up being acquitted. And James, I think James Marino ended up being convicted of the murder. (gasps) Yeah, it's fucking nuts. And it's like, you think about all these different things that he knows how to do and, you know, what, what it is that he, he studied and taught to others. And it's just like, holy shit. Like you 100% killed someone and got away with it. Yeah. And I evidently like two jury members were seen crying afterward because they like knew that they. Yeah. Like you, you have such specific parameters around. Like, I don't think people get that you have very specific parameters that you have to hit. And if you don't hit all of them, you can't 
convict someone guilty. Well, yeah, it's like you you have to prove beyond reasonable doubt, you know, and it's like they're only right. like witness or whatever is like this crazy drug robber, whatever, like just like this and the boyfriend dude, is like, usually the one who does it. So exactly like he has more he has more motive. Right. What, what exactly does Richard gain from this? And it's just right. like, well, maybe he's just fucking nuts. And like, maybe he just he has no really friends wanted and... to kill someone from the time he was like a little boy. <laughs> Holy shit. I know. I'm just like researching this and I hit you up. I'm like, this is boring. Like, I think this is boring. And then I found this. And I'm like, this is not boring. This is not boring. Let me tell you all the ways. Murder. <laughs> Mystery. Mm-hmm. Pickup artists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you know who, um, who Darren Brown is? That sounds familiar, but I don't think so. Okay. Well, he's like a mentalist or illusionist. And he had like a bunch of TV specials and stuff in like the early 2000s. He has like a distaste towards this kind of stuff, you know, like... um, Manipulative pseudoscience? (laughs) There's a show in 2008 that he he filmed called The Heist. And he pretends to be a motivational speaker who's holding a, a seminar and also filming a documentary. And the whole point of it is to see if he can persuade four out of 13 people. And like these people responded to an he wants to convince them to steal a hundred thousand pounds um, in what they believe is like a real armed robbery of a bank security guard. What? Yeah. And he uses some NLP methods to do it. He uses anchoring and conditioning and holy shit, you know, just some suggestion. Did he get him to uh, do it? Yeah, he did. Oh my God. It's fucking cool. So um, the special was filmed over two weeks. And during that time, like the viewer is told about like those tools that he used and, you know, some NLP methods. Um, And it's like to get the group into a mental state in which they'd willingly like rob a security guard without ever being directly told to do so. So during the seminar, he used anchoring to um, create an emotional state of invulnerability, euphoria and aggression. That's all tied to like different stimuli, you know, and that's what I was saying anchoring is before. So the color green, the song, Can You Feel It by the Jackson 5 (laughs) and the sight of a security guard uniform when it came time to like perform the heist all of those stimuli were presented to them oh like subconsciously. God. And during the initial seminar, he um, also used suggestive language, like describing the participants as thought criminals. So they're already titling, putting themselves in the mindset of being a criminal. Yeah, yeah. He, he titled wow. one of the slides, um, Things to Take Away. <gasps> Use the acronym CASH in another slide. Right when the seminar was over, he asked the, the 13 people who were there to perform like a little crime. They, he told them to go across the street and steal candy. And he's like framing it as like, oh, well, you're going to like re- reclaim like your childlike freedom or whatever. Right. Two of the people were like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to go steal anything. Mm-hmm. But the other ones did. They went and did that. And then these people didn't know what was happening because they didn't know they were like contestants or whatever. Right. But on the show that people watched, four people were eliminated. One week later, he called those people back, the nine remaining subjects, and he wanted to kind of see like how they respond to authority, like being told to do different things. Um, Have you ever heard of the Milgram experiment? No. Okay. So the Milgram experiment was done in 1963. And it's like basically like how people will do like super fucked up stuff because they're following orders. You know, so it's like, even though morally, you know, something's wrong. Have you seen the movie Compliance? Uh -uh. That's based on a real thing where a person called like a Burger King or something and said that they were like a member of the FBI and said this person has been doing some stuff and got all of the people except for the person that they targeted to do fucked up shit to this woman. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, maybe it's based on this kind of study. Interesting. Basically, it's like all these people, they chose to be the teachers and then there's somebody else who's a learner and then there's like a scientist and those are like actors, right. you know, those other people are actors. 
So basically the teacher's supposed to shock the learner with voltage anywhere from 15 volts to 45 oh, volts, which can I like heard of this. kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Like anytime they get an answer wrong. And then they use like a, like a recording of the person like begging and screaming, like, please stop. It was and all the voltage recorded. wasn't real, right? Like they no, were actually it's all, hitting anything. It's all fake. And they actually can't see the scientist and the learner. They just, they just like are hearing the audio. Okay. Just to see if they'll keep shocking the learner all the way, all the way to a lethal voltage. Cause they're like, well, I'm being told to do this. Like, I guess I need to do it. So after they do the experiment, the participate, the participant is told that this is just a test. Like they didn't know that it was a test. Right. You know, they were just like, oh, this guy's teaching us all this cool things. Like we're doing something. And it's interesting because the results of his experiment ended up being identical to like the original one. And 50% of the participants went all the way up to the 450 volts. I was saying 45 before, but it's 450. Holy shit. After this, and he saw like the the way that people participated in that, he chose he chooses the four participants who are gonna do the heist. Oh my god. And like he didn't choose the people he chose, like two of them didn't end up shocking the other, didn't end up doing it all the way. And like he wasn't choosing just like the most Violent. the most like <laughs> fucked up people, you know? Like on the day of the heist, all the people are traveling independently. Like they're not together as a group. You know what I mean? They right. film each person separately to watch what happens. So it's like they're driving there. They get picked up in a car. They get a phone call from Darren, the illusionist. And he says like a bunch of suggestive stuff, like make that decision to steal yourself, grab that opportunity to make all this work really pay off. It's just about standing in the way of security and life and oh making it God. do what you want it to do. You're, you're the one with the weapon of absolute unquestioning power. And then they're dropped off and they're told to like walk up the street to meet the other people. And they were told to bring their toy guns. Oh my God. So all of a sudden, like all the triggers start appearing. Like there's like a green fence and there's like um, an advertisement for tights. And because he did some sort of thing during the thing of like rubbing a leg that, you know, was some sort of like a, like a, a trigger or something. Trigger. Yeah. There's so on that same ad, it's like, do it, steal yourself. And oh my God. Then like a car drives back and plays the song. Can you feel it? And then there's like a green car and then there's the security guard. And then they're told to cross the street. And there's like somebody at the Bank of England holding two boxes that are like containing money. Yeah. So one of the women performs a hold up. Oh, my God. Another person is like, I'm, excuse me, sir. Sorry to interrupt proceedings, but this is a hold up. Get down on the floor. Get down on the floor. Oh, my God. <laughs> Another person performs a hold up and then another woman, she walks past the van and keeps like thinking about it, you know, like back and forth. Like, oh, should and I? She, should I? Yeah, she doesn't end up doing it. And they ended up like having to deprogram them afterward or whatever. Wow. And at the end of it, Darren Brown is like, you know, it was really shocking, like how easy this actually was to do. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, obviously he wasn't only practicing NLP, like he was using different kinds of techniques as well. Right. But Did he talk about NLP like on the thing? People accuse him of using NLP in his act. This person says his act consists of a range of magical tricks, misdirection, and most intriguing setting up audiences to provide the response that he wishes them to provide by using subtle subliminal cues in his conversation with them. It bothers him for some reason. He says, the truth is I have never mentioned it outside of my book. He does have an offstage curiosity about the system and he discusses it in the larger con context of hypnotism and suggestion. So he wrote a book called Tricks of the Mind, and he mentions that he attended an NLP course with Richard Bandler mm -hmm. and also um, with Paul McKenna. He also describes the NLP concept of eye accessing cues as a technique of limited use in his book, Pure Effect. He says that the language patterns that he uses to suggest behaviors are really similar to the style used by Richard Bandler and also the hypnotist who Bandler learned from, Milton Erickson. 
who like, you know, like the Milton model or whatever. So, you know, it is similar. And he also talks about how he did go to like a four day NLP course. Um, And it's like what's strange is like (laughs) a year after he attended the class, he received a number of letters saying that he would receive another certificate, not for passing a test because he stopped. He didn't he didn't finish. He didn't pass. He just went to the course, pass the course. But just like for keeping in touch with them, like he wanted them to like keep in touch. I don't know why. And so he never weird. got back to them. He thought it was weird. I mean, maybe he didn't want to be associated with NLP because he knew about Richard Bandler and all that weird shit that happened. But I guess they ended up sending him a certificate anyway without him like saying he wanted it. Oh, they're like, please, so, will you be part of my club? We really yeah, like so. you. <laughs> Or have you seen the show Magic for Humans that's on? Um, you told me to watch it and I forgot about it oh, until last it. night. I was like, oh, maybe I should watch this. So I can't pay attention to this right now. <laughs> oh, it's so, it's so good. But he definitely does it. Like the misdirecting and like he like had a bunch of like three different social media influencers come and he like talked to them for a little bit. He said certain things to them, like to, I guess, put shit in their brains, you know? Right. And he had them like go into this place, like the museum, not, it wasn't the museum of ice cream, but some shit like that, you know, like a place where it's like, you're just taking pictures for Instagram. Right. He had them all go in there, like take the most unique photo you can take. <laughs> and then they go back and they all took the exact same fucking photo, like in the same room planting. with the same prop. I mean, we're all just yeah. such dumb little creatures. And I think like, People need to understand how easy it is to manipulate the way that someone thinks about things. Like, honestly, I feel like a lot of people fall prey to like psychics and and this kind of stuff because they don't understand how easy it is to manipulate someone and to get them to say what they think you should be saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's really wild. Yeah. I didn't really think about that in the context of um, psychics and and things like that. Yeah, it it definitely feels like it's a thing that psychics have been doing forever. And it's a thing that even what's it called the Barnum effect? What's the Barnum effect? All right. So the Barnum effect is the tendency to accept certain information as true, such as character assessments or horoscopes, even when information is so vague as to be worthless. Oh, yeah, totally. You can say something to someone and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100 percent. And then they'll give you more information and then you have more to work with. So it's like you're, yeah. you're cold and hot reading them, essentially, and, yeah. and like tricking them into saying things about themselves. Gosh, that's crazy. So you said that it's it's commonly known to be a pseudoscience at this point. But um, yeah, is there anyone that still practices it? Like, is it commonly practiced? At oh, all yeah. Or? Yeah, it is. It's still it's still definitely a thing. There's still definitely conferences that people go to. Like, evidently, he charges like you know, upwards of $4,000 a day to be a consultant. Holy shit. And, you know, maybe now it's used more for like salespeople and yeah. for like team building and things like that than it is for like actual therapy. But I wouldn't be surprised if you were like, tried to look up, like to find a new therapist, if you found somebody who said that they had that certification, right? you know, as like a, a thing. Right. It's like, I have a certification in this and CPR. So. Well, go. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and also as I was, I was looking it up, like there definitely are still certification courses available and, you know, it's definitely still a thing, like 100%. That's kind of scary. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But uh, it is still <laughs> fascinating. Like the, the things that people can do with the brain, is just amazing. I know. Like, well, and I think that's what you were saying last week, just like you know, our brains, like our brains are like these big, powerful things. And like, we don't know shit. Yeah. You know, we don't know what's going on in there. No, we have no idea. And our brain is so easily tricked too. So what we think we see and experience might not even be happening. Our reality yeah. is just like 
so tenuously strung to what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's exactly like one of their principles, you know, that everybody's individual perception of reality is unique to them yeah, and nobody else. Like, do you ever think about this? I think about it a lot. Like the way that the color pink looks to me might not be the same way the color pink looks to you, but because we were both taught what pink is, it's the same, you know? Cause like, do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's this actual study about, um, the color blue as we consider it or like indigo didn't really exist as a concept. Like you, you hear about, um, the wine sea. Like if you read old novels, they'll say like the wine sea or like the sea yeah. was the color of wine. It's like blue wasn't really a thing. And in some tribal societies in Africa, they don't recognize blue as a color. Strange. Yeah. It's just not a thing. And a lot of it yeah. has to do with us basically being able to produce the color indigo. What do you mean? So um, when we were able to successfully mass produce like pigments and we were able mm -hmm. to successfully get pigments from other places, it changed our concept of like different colors. So specifically oh. blue with us being able to get uh, to get indigo from what was it? India is where indigo comes from. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. us being able to like get it from India or to actually be able to mass produce it changed the way we saw other colors in our world. So now instead of wow. the wine sea, we see the indigo sea, like, or the blue sea. That's interesting because the sea does not look like wine. It doesn't. <laughs> I don't know what kind of wine you're drinking. But, but if you think about it, the way that you relate to color, like if you had never seen something blue before, you might see greens and reds and grays picked up True. in yeah. a, a sea or like a moving sea. Because there are a lot more colors wow. than just blue. Yeah, there's a lot more colors than just blue. There's at least five more colors than just blue. <laughs> but yeah, like all that's of that. interesting too, because blue is a primary color. Yeah. So you would think that it would, um, you would think that based on it just existing in general, like just the sky is blue, but I guess people don't like people in uh, tribal societies can't differentiate between like different tonalities of blue. Wow. Because they don't have it to reference. Well, and it's not like an issue with their cones and their eyes. It's no, like, it's just like they just don't, they just don't see it wow. the way that we see it. Wow, that's an interesting fact. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to actually send you that study and like the the article that I'm referencing. But it is really fascinating. Yeah, and then there's yeah, that, totally. There's that one quote that I really love, which is, um, "You're a different person to everyone you meet." Yeah, which I know to me just blows my fucking mind. <laughs> I know, right? And also based it's on true, that though. point in your life, like uh your ex-boyfriend from, you know, 10th grade thinks of you yeah. the exact same way that you were in 10th grade. It doesn't yeah. matter that you've grown up and that things are different. I know. Like that's not a that's process wild. that people's brains can like attach to. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that's totally true. And that's like why some people can think someone's like a bitch and other people think that they're great. Yeah, exactly. So they're not experiencing and it's the same person. The same way. And also, like, yeah. just based on what natural personality quirks other people are pulling out of you. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. Yeah, it really is. And scary. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. And also, like, on the same thing, like how we never really know what's going on in somebody else's mind, yeah. like the things that they say and do and whatever, like, that's something, but that has nothing to do with their inner workings. No. Really? Like we attach our own significance to things and it has, it's yeah. irrelevant for what the other person is experiencing and, and ex saying, communicating in other ways.
being a person is like really crazy. <laughs> yeah. I don't want anymore. I want to be algae. Hmm, that sounds kind of cool and calming. Benny and I were talking about what it would be like to be a fish yesterday because our Apple TV had like this screen, the screensaver of like, just like fish in the water. And it's like, what are they doing? You know, what are they thinking about? And like, have you ever played with a fish? Like gone to, no. gone to a really big aquarium and like played with their fish? They play. No, I mean, I've touched anemones and, um, I think that's it. I've touched anemones. I like to do what I call self-awareness time to animals when they are interacting with me. And fish are the most interesting because they'll actually like come into view and then come out and then come in wow. and then come out and then like make a like weird position and then relax and then yeah. make a weird position. I think they're, it's like fascinating. I think they're a lot smarter than we give them credit for. Like I know that we talk yeah. about like octopus and cuttlefish mm-hmm. and stuff being super smart, but I think even just like you know, salmon or whatever are probably pretty smart. But like anytime <laughs> I go to the like specifically um, Asian markets where they have like the the live fish in the tanks, I'm just like, oh man, I can't. And like, I'm sure you're delicious, but I can't even enjoy this. I know it's sad. <laughs> it's so sad because you're like, I know that you're you have a whole thought process in your head, and there's nothing that I can do to fix your situation. I know. I've actually been feeling weird about eating meat lately because of that same reason. Yeah, same here. I have a really. Hard I go time. back and forth. I love meat yeah. and I feel better when I eat meat, but I definitely, I have a lot of guilt around it. Right. Or like think about it when you're eating it. Like yeah. that's flesh. Or I'm like, Ugh. not even that that's flesh, but like that was a being. Totally. That, that was a being and also like. and feelings and autonomy, hopefully. Right. Yeah. Or like eating the fear, eating their fear. Yeah. Like their chi or whatever. I don't feel like any animal should be afraid before they die. Me neither. I don't feel like humans should be afraid before they <laughs> Me neither. I don't think. Like, no. It's the worst thing. So at the very least, they should live like a nice long life that is free and happy with like no scarcity. And then you kill yeah. them quickly. Yeah, right. It's over. There's ethical ways to do it. Yeah. Well, I don't know that there's necessarily an ethical way to kill something, but there's definitely more well, ethical ways than the way that we do it. <laughs> Yeah. Agreed. I agree. Yeah. So pro animal rights, pro animal rights, uh, <laughs> anti-manipulation. Yeah. Anti-manipulation. <laughs> Corinne Christensen probably felt fear before she died. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, awful. Yeah. Awful. Awful. <laughs> I know that was like a lot of, uh, so a lot of information, but yeah. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Lovely people. We have been, I read a thing. You can listen to more episodes every Friday. And Emma, when uh, are are you going to release a blog entry on this? That's me like priming you to say. <laughs> um, That's me manipulating you well, to tell us like when your blog. Well, entry it should it should be out the day after you you hear this. Oh, okay. So if you're listening to it, that's when it will be there. Yeah. Right. And they'll be like, this is that what I'm supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And there'll be like sources and stuff. So there's always more information in the blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, more information than you can shake at least five sticks at. So <laughs> get your sticks. <laughs> yeah, and also party. like another thing, another thing you guys should do that are listening to us, please rate us. Yeah. Do that. Write reviews. Say those women are amazing. We love them. If you have something negative to say, you don't need to rate us. 
Yeah, just don't. Yeah, just don't. Okay. You can actually save your time if you have something negative to say. So if you have something positive to say, we're like really cultivating like a positive experience. So mm-hmm. good vibes only. PM. Yeah, and if you write something negative, I'm going to change it in my mind anyway. So I'm <laughs> yeah, we'll just use it. some of these techniques. I'm not going to experience it the way that you want me to. So just do what I'm. Don't asking. worry about it. We're NLP <laughs> masters now. Exactly. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Bye. Bye.